What's your favorite way to learn? I like graphic novels because I can see who's talking. My grandma reads the newspaper to me. I like movies on TV. I play learning games on my dad's tablet. I like reading plain old regular books with lots of detail. This is Worlds Awaiting with Rachel Wadham, helping children read, write, see, speak, and listen. Rachel is juvenile literature librarian at the Harold B. Lee Library at Brigham Young University. Let me tell you a secret. One of the things I love to do at work is read with my staff. As the juvenile literature librarian, I love to share picture books with all of the people in my department. We gather together in our workroom, and we find the best picture books, and we read them aloud to each other. We laugh, and we share our favorite parts. In fact, recently, one of our favorites was called Troll and Oliver by Adam Stower. We had so much fun reading this fun story and sharing pictures that we loved and the words that we loved. We just engaged together with such a great book. That is one of the things that I love to do, no matter the age of the person, is share books together. In fact, this is one of the things that most associations like the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Library Association recommend for families, reading aloud with our children. Reading aloud with our children is an amazing experience. We can engage so much with books because in those types of experiences, it's not just about engaging the intellect, it's about engaging the heart. And reading is all about the heart. One of the things you need to remember though is that when we read aloud, it's not age dependent. You don't have to read aloud just because a child can't read. Once a child can read, reading aloud is also a wonderful way to share, just like my staff and I do in our library. As we share books together, we're able to learn and grow and laugh together. And that is one of the best things that we can do as families. And those are my thoughts from Rachel's World. This is Worlds Awaiting. Our show today features interviews with author Jessica Day George and Jean Nelson, director of the Provo City Library. We first join Rachel in a conversation with Jessica Day George, best selling author of many children's books, including Dragon Slippers and the Castle Glower series. We'll get to hear how she almost gave up on her first book and even thought she might quit writing altogether. In college, she learned to read fairy tales in German, Norwegian, and the sagas of the Vikings in the original Old Norse. Her fiction often draws on themes from familiar fairy tales. Here's Rachel and Jessica. We're glad to have you here today, Jessica. <laughs> Thank you. This is so exciting to visit with you today a little bit about some of your writing. So your first book was in the Dragon Slippers series. So yes. why, don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that book came to be? That book was crazy. Nothing cool. will ever beat Dragon Slippers for, for ease of writing and suddenness. <laughs> I had been writing... Since I was a kid, I'd wanted to be a writer since I was like 11. So that was always my goal. But by the time I got into college, I had changed from wanting to be the next Robin McKinley and write like fantasy for young adults because that was not a thing. I mean, there was pretty much only Robin McKinley. Very true. At there that time like, period, you're right. That was it. You know, and Diana Wynne Jones, whom I loved, but mm -hmm. she was also very young, wrote for very young readers mostly. And a different like, kind of genre. And, it, and a very McKinley. humorous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very humorous, something that I just thought I couldn't do, you know. Yeah. So I was trying to write serious books for adults. I was writing serious fantasy books, you know, grim. It was the mid-90s. There was, you know. <laughs> there that was, was like the grim the, era of adult fantasy. It was all gritty, urban. 
urban fantasy, you know, people who could only do magic if they were on drugs or something like that. So I was like, and everyone died at the end, the ultimate sacrifice type of ending of a book. And so I was writing things like that. And I'd written about seven books and I had been rejected by some of the finest publishers out there that many times over. Very, very much a mark of a good author is to be yes, rejected. I have all my rejection letters scrapbooked. I have like 200 and something of them. And a couple of years ago, I ran into... Um, the guy that was the acquisitions editor for Tor for years and years, and I have I had sent him at least three manuscripts, and I met him at a conference, you know, as a published author, and uh-huh. he's like, "Why is your name so familiar? I don't think I've read your book." And I'm like, "Oh, you've rejected my other books about three times." And we were standing with the Kathleen Dougherty, who is the head of the teen and children's at Tor, and she turned on him like, "You, you, you rejected, rejected her." <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't remember. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. Those books were garbage. <laughs> they were just, I was, I, I mean, looking back, I would never have read those books. They were so depressing and they were just so long-winded. Everything was just so wordy and stuff like that. And I just, but I didn't know what else to do because that yeah. was what was popular. That yeah. was the thing. Harry Potter came out, changed everything, but I still mm-hmm. did not think, I didn't have ideas like that. I only had ideas for what I'd been doing, which was serious adult writing, you know, and, and I yeah. was not good at it. And I but I kept plugging away because that's all I wanted. And honestly, my degree is in like Scandinavian fairy tales. Like what other job can I have? Like there's like working at McDonald's, working yeah, at McDonald's yeah, is, you know, yeah. like curating, delivering newspapers, curating <laughs> a Viking museum in Minnesota or something good. like that. Like those are my options. <laughs> like, Great aspirations. <laughs> yes. And so so um, that's what I had. And then so I, I had a baby. The baby uh, was in the NICU. My oldest is in the, he's fine now. Um, he was in the NICU, came home with oxygen tanks. I came home with postpartum depression. And I came home to like my 227th rejection letter. And I was like, this is a low. This is a new low. I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> my husband's like, I want you to quit. He's like, I've always been supportive. But he's like, this is no good for you yeah. to like see rejection after rejection. And he's like, you're not having fun anymore. When I met you, you were all about your writing and you would talk about it and you giggle and write these little short stories about you know funny things because I used to write these fun little short stories for contests all the time and he's like you have not done that in years I think you should quit and I'm like fine I am you're right I'm quitting and so then of course seconds later the colicky baby stopped screaming went to sleep and I suddenly came up with an idea the idea for dragon slippers which just essentially downloaded into my brain right there the entire book beginning to end I knew everything that was going to happen and I just like thought what if you know you you picture like Andromeda chained to the rock and the yeah, Kraken yeah. is coming or this young girl taken up you know remember oh what was that movie Dragon Slayer from the 80s yes. you know yeah. and like she's like Valerian and she's chained to, to the, the princess or her she's chained to the rock and the dragon yeah. comes out was like chewing on her with this little you know stop motion teeth yeah. and like what if you know you're up there chained to the rock and the dragon comes out and it's like oh I'm too old for this you know and you're just like no, you don't want me either. My yeah. family is so horrible and you don't yeah. want me either. And I just thought, there it is. You know, that would be, I would read that book. That's the kind of book I like to read. I would do that. And so I like, I'm like, oh, and what if, you know, her big aspiration in life isn't to be a knight or a princess. She just wants to be a dressmaker like her mom, you know, but so she can't afford the apprentice fees. So her family sacrifices her to the dragon. So like, what if like, she has her own goals and is just her own person doing her own thing and ends up falling in with these dragons by accident. The whole thing was just there. 
And I started to cry because I was so tired. <laughs> I bet. And the baby was asleep, which meant I got to go to sleep. Yeah. And I just knew I was so tired that if I didn't write this down, I would not remember it in the morning. So I just sat there crying with my laptop and my husband was like, what are you doing? What's wrong? I told you to quit. And now now you're like, crying. You're freaking me out. And I'm like, I just, the story is so good and I'm going to write it down. And he timed me on the microwave. I had 10 minutes. <laughs> good for and him. And in, in 10 minutes, I wrote the first 12 pages of Dragon Slippers, which is the first chapter. And then I wrote four pages of notes on how I wanted the rest of the book to go. And actually, that first chapter of Dragon Slippers is exactly the same, except in the original, her dad was still alive, but just kind of went along with the aunt's scheme. And in, and now, like, she just is an orphan because throughout the book, she would just, like, basically send postcards to her dad, like... Even though you're kind of a crappy father, I'm okay, you know, <laughs> love you tons, you know. And so we just like decided to just like get rid of the parents entirely. That's like my editor made that choice. That's what editors do. They kill yeah. the parents. But um, but yeah, so I just, I, I then after that, everything just sort of fell into place. I would just sit, I would pop my baby into his bouncy seat and I would flip him around with my foot and I would sit there and type. And it was like taking dictation. The book just sort of fell into place. And I'm like, this is going to be for like, I, I pictured it more like for teens. We decided to make it a yeah. little more just like sort of on the border between teen and middle grade then. And uh, I just wrote this book. And like the day I was done with it, I happened to like I'd had a friend invite me to a writer's conference and she's like, come and pitch this book to this editor. And I'm like, this is going to be my last shot. I made a bet with my husband to like kind of like because, you know, he's funding this at this point because yeah. this is a stay at home mom. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, yes, I think he's like, you love this book. He's like, I have secretly been reading the manuscript when you weren't looking. He's like, <laughs> it is really good. So he's like, let's do this one last shot, you know, opportunity to go meet an editor face to face and pitch the book to her one on one, which is just a rare opportunity. And he's like, go pitch this book. If she says no, he's like, I'm really sorry. I'm like, if she says no, I'm probably not a good author and I should just <laughs> call it a day. <laughs> so went and she's loved it, loved it, wanted to publish it. There you go. And then she kept saying like, and I can't wait for the second one. And I kept saying, oh, no, it's just a standalone. No, this isn't no a series. Second <laughs> I just couldn't imagine writing a series at the time. Yeah. I thought, how do you even do that? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. I have all these other ideas. And 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 just Dragon Slippers just sort of opened the floodgates in a way. Like as soon as I started writing it, I started getting ideas for other books like that would be for teens or younger readers. And I had never had that in all the years that I've been writing, you know, seven other books, all for adults, never had a single idea yeah. like that. And um, all of a sudden I'm like, yes, I want to retell this fairy tale. And I I want to write about this girl and, and her magic talking horse. And, you know, just all these things like started coming to me. And and so the this editor's like, now someone told me you had written other books. I'm like, well, yes, 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 this is like my eighth book. And she goes, well, I would love to see the others. I'm like, no, 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 not but, no others. Uh -uh. but I'm like, but give me a couple of months. I'll and write I'll you have something one. else for you. <laughs> yeah, she gave me a couple of months and I had sun and moon, ice and snow for her. And so but it was funny. The, the other Dragon Slippers books, both of them came about because with me arguing with her that I had no ideas is basically what happened there is like okay. I was on the phone with my editor. We were finishing up some edits for Sun and Moon and she was saying she was holding a spot. There was an untitled book on my contract, you know, and she's like, I'm just holding that spot open for Dragon Slippers number two, wink, wink. And I'm like, <laughs> I was already writing what became Princess of the Midnight Ball. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It's not like I have any good ideas, you know, like, I mean, if they went to war with a country that their entire army was mounted on dragons, that would be, oh, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that then, you know. <laughs> that, that, there's number two. <laughs> that works. And then as I was writing, you know, um, 
Dragon Flight then, which was the second book I started like thinking like, oh, a two book series. That's like not even a thing. A yeah. duology. That's not a thing. That's not like, a thing. Nobody yeah. likes a duology. You know? and, yeah, we, we have to, that yeah. number three is magic. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. trilogy, the magic of threes. It's a big fairy tale thing. Yeah. Gotta have three. And I was just like, I was talking with a friend and and uh, this was the same friend that I had met at a writer's conference that had set me up with this editor and, and stuff. And um I was sort of just brainstorming with her and I'm like, I don't know what to do because I really want to write a third book. But it's not it, it would be like and then I started to say it and she's just like like shoving our children away where like Carl's Jr. play plays and she's like shoving go leave your mommy alone no just 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 go, yeah, like, just go. She's, just got wait, she's got it she's idea. got it she's got it and then the one thing I said though she's like no I would hate that I would super duper hate that as a reader I would hate that she's like no and so she's like she's like she should she should get married at the end it should end with a wedding and I'm like yes so like <laughs> Carl's Jr. play plays Carl's Jr. play plays magical plays. yeah, yeah. The, all, the inspiration comes <laughs> between that so then there I was with the trilogy and I called my editor very sheepishly like an hour after that and I'm like so we talked about a trilogy and I said no but here it is here's my idea <laughs> it's ready to go I'm already writing it <laughs> oh, yes. all, all of the, those Carl Jr. things just yes. still feed into that writing with ketchup on the table <laughs> yeah you should you should have written like a it crazy in ketchup. person <laughs> there you go that, that is such a wonderful story the great uh, ideas of just putting in so much work and then you know, the floodgates opened and mm-hmm. all of this wonderful stuff came out. When I figured out what I should be writing. Well, and again, it's it's kind of write what you love and know yes. instead of so write much. what you think people want to right? read. I was writing what I thought people would yeah. buy, you know, and then I just started writing what I would like to read. That was our host, Rachel Wadham, speaking with author Jessica Day George. Next, Rachel talks with Jean Nelson, director of the Provo City Library in Utah. They talk about their favorite books from the Caldecott and the Newbery Awards, the highest honors in the realm of children's books. Nelson has participated on many local, regional, and national committees, including the Caldecott Committee in 2000 and in 2010. He also teaches children's literature classes at BYU. Here's Rachel with Jean. Welcome, Jean. We're so glad to have you today. Rachel, it's my pleasure to be here. You know, one of the things that people do to pick books to read is they look to awards, and there's lots of awards out there, some given by the American Library Association, others by the National Council of Teachers of English, some local awards that are given. So let's let's talk about some of our favorites. What oh, about wow. awards in general? Which what are some of our favorite awards and then uh, maybe some of the books there? So what what do you think people what kind of awards should people look to to find some great books? Oh, you know when they come to our library here in Provo, um, we have big sections that they can find the Newbery and the Caldecott quickly. We think those are really important awards. You know, there's there's been so many favorites over the years. One that sticks out for me uh, that I'm really proud to be associated with is when I served in the Caldecott Committee in, in 2010, we received a, a galley, an advanced copy of this picture book by Jerry Pinckney. Every committee member received this. It was in a box. And, of course, I received lots of boxes of books, but this was kind of by itself. And I opened it up, and here was this galley on top of this fake grass, like it was grass that was clipped from the savanna in Africa. And on top was an invitation to join Jerry Pinckney and the committee in the Field Museum in Chicago, which was where our next conference was going to be, and have him talk about his book. 
And it was amazing as he talked about this book with this backdrop of this mural, kind of think Lion King, outcroppings and lions on top of things, as he talked about his book, Lion and the Mouse. And so clearly that invitation was a message from little brown publishers. We think this is a very special book. And as I spent a lot of time with Lion the Mouse, I think it is an absolutely stunning, gorgeous, perfectly developed picture book. And Jerry, when he won that award, it was so interesting as we, you know, one of the things the committee does that a lot of people may not know about on the morning, the Monday morning before the award is announced, we have a chance to call our illustrators who were the winners, both the gold medalists and the honor winners. And when we contacted uh, Jerry Pinckney, we got a hold of him at home. We were in Boston, and it was cold and drizzly and ugly. And he lives in New York. And we were calling about 7 o'clock in the morning. And we got a hold of him. And Rita, our back, our chair, said, kind of read from a little sheet, said, congratulations, it's my pleasure, too, da-da-da-da. And there was just a pregnant pause on his end and found out later that he was expecting us to say a Caldecott Honor Award. Jerry had previously won five honor awards and had never won the gold medal. And so it was quite a surprise for him, and he was still expecting to win that honor medal. But I think that's one for me that stands out. David Wiesner, I think, is one of the great practitioners. I still think his his three three pig book is just a masterwork. How about you? What are some of your favorites? You know, I, I, David Wiesner is probably the one that sticks out to me the most. I, I love the Three Little Pigs just because of you know the texture that he's able to give his illustrations, and that's one of the things I love about Pinkney too, is they give such texture to these flat illustrations, and Lion and the Mouse is very much like that. You can almost feel the fur bristling off off of that, and the same with the Three Little Pigs. You can feel the you know the little bristles of the pigs come off of it, and it just amazes me what depth these amazing illustrators can get with you know pen and ink and brush and watercolors off of these really deep and then you have some others that are like molly bang Mm. Uh, back in 2000 that first time she had a book called when sophie gets angry really really angry that artistically is a totally different work than is a wiesner or a pinkney and even from some of her previous work yeah. is very different and it's done in uh, a gouache type of a feel yeah. it's very bold colors but what a great exposition on emotions and how we all handle emotions in a mm-hmm. different sort of way and so i think the whole goal of picture books is to bring up that emotion yeah. and our job as quote experts and and children's librarians is to help people find those great books yeah. it's easy to find the junk books And I'm not going to come up with any titles for you, but you know what I'm talking about. The junk books are just quickly manufactured to take advantage of a a TV show, a movie, or a toy. And they're bought in droves. But I think it's our job 
steer people toward the very best. What about Newbery? What's some of your favorites in that that, area? That just brings up a really interesting thought to me because one of the things I love about award books and using them to pick books is the great variety it leads us to because I think sometimes we get stuck in a rut and, you know, we go to a certain author or we go to a certain illustrator or we go to something we found that we loved. And the nice thing about going to awards books is there's such variety. And when I'm thinking about the Newbery, there's such variety there too when I think of um, like Paul Fleischman's Joyful Noise, which is a poetry book, but it's a choral reading, meaning that that two or more people read the poem at the same time. That is time. so much fun to do, it's too. It's so unique, yeah. such a unique thing. And even um, Brian Selznick's books that are kind of half graphic novel, half novel um, right. kinds of things just bring such great depth to the the idea of what is a text and how does it work. And so being able to take to take that and it kind of expand our experience into something that we may not have understood before, you know, the variety of illustrations, right. is a great way to reason to go to these awards to pick exactly. something. Exactly. And I think one of the things that a lot of listeners probably aren't aware of, too, but both the Caldecott and the Newbery Award, the age range that the award is supposed to be targeting is 0 to 14, and it's such a broad audience. Yeah. You know, one other award that I think would be interesting for our listeners is that we recently we've had a couple of relatively new awards. Yes. One is the Theodore Geisel Award. Wonderful, fun award. Uh, yeah. Dr. Seuss Award that's given to the outstanding easy readers uh, every year. And then we also have the Robert Seibert Award, that's S-I-B-E-R-T, that's given to the outstanding nonfiction or informational books. And we're seeing, I remember as a kid, in my my school library in Mesa, Arizona, back in the 60s, you go to the informational book section, and it was just this void. <laughs> of Every, anything interesting. Anything. Yeah. Nothing was attractive. Yeah. Yeah. The covers were all crummy. Yeah. The writing were, were written by academics for, yeah. I swear, for a high school audience. Exactly. And it sat there and just yeah. gathered dust. Yeah. Our kids today, there are so many wonderful, oh. wonderful informational yeah. texts on anything yeah. that they want to study. Well, and there's um, there's one series, the Scientists in the Field series, oh, and it's several, Montgomery yeah, and Nick Bishop several of their books have won the Cybert Award. Yep. And I, though, they're just amazing. These real life scientists doing real life Wonderful work. photographs. Oh, amazing photographs. I mean, these, you know, Nick Bishop is probably one of the most amazing nonfiction photographers yep. for kids out there today. And His, the covers. And jump the covers. out at you. <laughs> well, there was, there's a woman, I hope she's still around. She may have passed on. Her name is Beverly Cobran with a K. And she wrote a book called how to judge a book by its cover mm, and nine yeah. other clues. And it was her theory, theory and supposition that if a book is not picked up, it's just going to sit and languish somewhere. Yeah. And so she says the number one thing for informational books, it has to have a dynamite cover. And so we really are judging a book. But how many of us are very, yeah. very visual today? The cover doesn't grab us. We're not even yeah. picking up off the shelf. We're not going to read it. And so we're seeing these kids' books now that holy Toledo... You know, at the public library, quite often, when I'm looking for a bit of information or one of our patrons, I will often go to the children's department because I can get concise, direct information without plowing through a 600-page book that I don't have time for. I passed Physics 101 in college because of the children's section. There you go. I would go to my textbook, <laughs> look up the topic, look that up in the children's section, and go and read all the children's books on that because I couldn't—the textbook was just— two over my head. Exactly. And, you know, 
I got a B plus, which was great for me. <laughs> but I, that's all I read. Was and the that's exactly. Books. Yeah. But yeah. it's such a, a yeah. wonderful cornucopia yeah. of so much yeah. information. One of our challenges, though, is having parents recognize that those books are available, and not just relying yeah. on Wikipedia that can answer some questions, but it falls short on a lot of yeah. things. And getting the word out a little bit yeah. better. Thanks so much, Gene, for your your visiting today. My pleasure. That was Rachel Wadham speaking with Gene Nelson, director of the Provo City Library in Utah. Next, ever wonder about other people's favorite books? What are yours? Here are some responses from a few people that our Taylor Miranda talked to recently. Do you have a favorite book from your childhood? The Little Christmas Soldier. And why was that your favorite book? Because I remember I was in... I was four, and um, I went to with my mom to school that day, and um, she she was an art teacher at an elementary school, and she had a um, she I was just like roaming around, and my sister's um, class was in the library, and so it was their library time, and my sister um, read a book to me, and it was this Christmas story, and um, I remember I checked that book out pretty almost for two years straight because it, I just loved it. Do you have a favorite book from your childhood? Mm, I like Oh, the, Thing, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. And why is that one of your favorites? Um, I had a young woman leader and she read it to us one time and it was just really inspiring. Do you have a favorite book from your childhood? Yes, Where the Wild Things Are. And why is that your favorite book? Uh, I don't know, I just always remember uh, my parents reading it to me before I went to bed. When I was three, my favorite book was Go Dog Go by Dr. Seuss. Um, you know, learning, you know, it's because learning to read and I like dogs. Do you have a favorite children's book? Absolutely, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. It's actually my very favorite book. Okay, why is that? Um, it's the most imaginative thing I've ever read. Uh, it takes nonsense and it makes it fun, I don't know. It, it takes things that bother people, but with Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll took the nonsense and made it the point of the story. Like he made that so much fun and comforting. And so I think it's really a lot deeper than just a children's story. When I was little, I really loved the rainbow face. Why was that your favorite? I think just because he has shiny fins. <laughs> from my childhood, it was so far ago that I don't remember, but from my children's <laughs> childhood, I like something from nothing. Um, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. <laughs> um, I like, I guess you, I don't know if you'd call it a children's book. I liked from my childhood, The Little Princess. Do you have a favorite book from your childhood? I had this book I really liked called Wolf Rider. It was by Avi. And it was, I think, the first book that really got me to like feel emotion with the text that wasn't just like a picture book. And that was a big deal for me when I was a kid to really feel something with a book. That was our Taylor Miranda talking with people on the street about their favorite books. Thanks for listening to Worlds Awaiting. Tune in Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143 on the TuneIn app and at byuradio.org.